Hello, everyone, and welcome to the February 4th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd Scarin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals clarified the applicability of the employer liability provisions of a workers' compensation policy. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of Seneca Insurance Company versus the State Compensation Insurance Fund. In three separate California state civil lawsuits, performers in the pornographic film industry sued Cybernet Entertainment, LLC. They alleged that Cybernet did not take adequate steps to protect its performers and prevent the spread of sexually transmitted diseases and HIV during pornographic shoots, causing injury. They also alleged claims for fraudulent misrepresentation and conspiracy to commit fraud by making false representations concerning the safety of Cybernet shoots. Cybernet Entertainment filed a third-party complaint in federal court against the State Compensation Insurance Fund, seeking a declaration that the state fund had a duty to defend Cybernet under a workers' compensation and employers' liability insurance policy. The district court held that the state fund did not have a duty to defend Cybernet, and Cybernet appealed. The ruling was affirmed in the unpublished case in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The court considered whether two policy exclusions bar coverage under the employer's liability portion of the workers' compensation insurance policy. Exclusion 4 says that the employer's liability provision of the policy does not extend to any obligation imposed by a workers' compensation law. And Exclusion 5 says that coverage under the employer's liability portion of the policy does not extend to damages or bodily injury intentionally caused or aggravated by cybernet. The Court of Appeal concluded that the negligence causes of action fall within the compensation bargain because the gravamen of each is that Cybernet did not maintain a safe workplace. The remedy for such workplace safety claims is the workers' compensation benefits. Exclusion 5 bars coverage for the intentional tort claims, which is the essence of the fraud claim because either Exclusion 4 or Exclusion 5 bars coverage under the employer's liability portion of the policy in the state court actions, the state fund did not have a duty to defend Cybernet in those actions. And now our crime report. A Ventura County man has been sentenced to 168 months in prison for a massive fraud scheme that used dozens of non-existent companies to collect nearly $5 million in unemployment benefits for phony employees who never performed any work at the fake companies. Jack Benjamin Hassiani, who lives in Camarillo, created numerous fictitious businesses for the sole purpose of defrauding the Employment Development Department. He filed documents with the EDD, that showed made-up earnings for the fictitious workers, claiming unemployment insurance benefits for laid-off employees. Many of the fake employees were people who had agreed to provide their personal identifying information in exchange for a portion of the unemployment insurance benefits. 
Some of them were drug users who likely used the funds to enable future drug purchases, while others were poor students who later faced criminal exposure as a result of the claims. The unemployment benefits were sent to mail drops that Hesiani established in the names of other individuals. Hesiani submitted about 725 unemployment insurance claims, including 521 original claims and 204 claims for the extended benefits in the names of 384 fake employees. The investigation identified 43 fictitious companies based in Ventura County that were used to further the scheme. Three other defendants in the case have pleaded guilty to criminal charges and are pending sentencing. They are Hassani's brother, James Manuel Herrera, Eduardo Hasu Garcia, and Daniel Alaya Mora. Tawdry marketing details have emerged in an ongoing drug maker's criminal trial. The testimony in a federal court in Boston came in the first criminal trial of painkiller manufacturer executives over conduct that authorities say contributed to a U.S. opioid abuse epidemic. Former INSYS sales representative Holly Brown told jurors the incident with her boss, Sunrise Lee took place after incest began rewarding the doctor for prescribing its opioid product by paying him to speak at educational events about the drug. Sunrise Lee was an ex-stripper who became a regional sales director at Incest Therapeutics. According to Brown's testimony, Lee gave a doctor a lap dance at a Chicago club as part of her marketing plan to convince the doctor to prescribe the company's addictive fentanyl spray. That Illinois doctor, Paul Madison, is one of several whom prosecutors say Lee and four other former INSYS executives and managers, including wealthy founder and ex-chairman John Kapoor, considered a bribe to boost sales of the spray. Drug makers often retain doctors to speak at events with other clinicians about the benefits of their drugs, and defense lawyers argued the events were legal compensation for the doctor's educational work. Yet Brown said Madison's events held at a Chicago restaurant Kapoor owned were attended by his friends instead of clinicians. Brown testified that these were not really meant to be educational programs, but instead were meant to be rewards for physicians. After one dinner in mid-2012, Brown said she, Lee, and Madison went to a club where she witnessed Lee sitting on his lap and bouncing around. Brown testified that at the time Dr. Madison ran a notorious medical practice, which she described as a shady pill mill. Prosecutors say INSYS paid Dr. Madison at least $70,800 in so-called speaker fees. Dr. Madison was convicted in November of unrelated charges that he defrauded insurers into paying for unperformed chiropractic procedures. Janice Richardson was employed as a personal care assistant provider for Tolomne County and reported an on-the-job injury in April of 2004. 
14. The alleged injuries arose from a motor vehicle accident collision Richardson was involved in during her scheduled work hours and in the performance of her duties. Richardson filed a workers' comp injury claim and as a result received medical treatment and workers' compensation benefits. During a subsequent investigation, it was discovered that Richardson presented false statements and material misrepresentations during her deposition. Richardson misrepresented facts as it related to her physical abilities and limitations associated with her injury. Richardson pleaded no contest to insurance fraud, admitting that she unlawfully and knowingly made a statement containing false and misleading information in support of her claim. Richardson was sentenced to three years probation, ordered to pay a fine of $1,000 to the workers' compensation fraud account, and ordered to pay restitution in the amount of $27,500 to the county of Tulumne. This case was a joint investigation by Probe Information Services, the Tulumne County District Attorney's Office, and the Amador County District Attorney's Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit. And in regulatory news, the Department of Health and Human Services proposed a rule to end the industry-wide system of aftermarket discounts known as rebates that pharmacy benefit managers receive from drug makers. The rebate practice that was been under increased scrutiny by legislatures concerned with excessively high drug prices. If finalized, the new rule would change a system that has been in place for decades and that has been criticized for obfuscating the real price of prescription medicines. President Trump has been promising to lower the cost of prescription drugs for consumers who have seen their out-of-pocket expenses rise each year with higher list prices of pharmaceuticals. The proposed new rule from HHS would apply to companies like Cigna Corporation's Express Script and CVS Health Corporation, as well as companies like Humana Incorporated. The HHS Secretary Alex Azar said that the proposal has the potential to be the most significant change in how Americans' drugs are priced at the pharmacy counter. Eliminating rebates on prescription drug purchases is a key element of the Trump administration's plan to lower prescription medicine costs. PBMs administer drug benefits for employers and health plans and also run large mail-order pharmacies. Drug makers say they are under pressure to provide rebates to the few PBMs that dominate the market in order to gain patient access to their products by having them included on preferred coverage lists. They say that PBMs do not pass on enough of those savings to patients, a contention the PBMs dispute, and that the rebates force them to raise the list price of medicines over time to preserve their profits. They argue that the net revenue they actually see has little relation to the list prices. The Pharmaceutical Care Management Association, which is the main PBM trade group, said eliminating rebates would drive up drug costs and out-of-pocket expenses for consumers. That group said drug makers alone set prices. But the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, known as Pharma, 
The main U.S. lobbying group for drug makers said the proposal, if enacted, would fix the misaligned incentives in the system. The HHS proposal would allow rebates on prescription drugs to be offered directly to patients and allow PBMs to establish fixed-fee service arrangements with drug makers that could replace lost revenue from rebates. An anti-kickback law makes it illegal to pay an incentive for drugs or services that Medicare, Medicaid, or other federal health care programs cover. The government has been considering removing the safe harbor protection for rebates from the anti-kickback law since last year. Powerful committees in the U.S. Congress held hearings on insulin affordability and high prescription drug prices, an issue both chambers of Congress have said is a top priority for the year. The House Oversight Committee and the Senate Finance Committee brought in patient advocates and health policy experts to discuss the burden of high drug costs on consumers and skyrocketing prices. Both committees also focused on insulin, which those with type 1 diabetes and some with type 2 diabetes depend on. High prescription drug costs have consistently polled as a top voter concern and have been a top priority of government. According to a recent study, the annual cost of insulin for treating a type 1 diabetes patient in the United States nearly doubled from $2,864 a year in 2012 to $5,705 a year in 2016. Earlier last month, Democrats in the Senate and House introduced a series of bills aimed at bringing down drug costs. No Republicans have signed on to the legislation. The ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee said, that the committee invited the heads of several large drug companies to testify on Tuesday, but none of them were willing to come. The Division of Workers' Compensation has posted the 2018 Audit Unit Annual Report on its website. The report provides information on how claims administrators performed and includes a ranking report for audits conducted in 2017. The Audit and Enforcement Unit completed a total of 41 profile audit reviews in 2017. Forty were routinely selected, and there was one target audit which would have been conducted based upon failure of a prior audit. The total included five insurance companies, 11 self-administered self-insured employers, 21 third-party administrators, and four insurance companies who were third-party administrators combined, claims adjusting locations. 37 of the 41 audit subjects met or exceeded their performance standard and therefore had no penalty citations assessed. However, these audit subjects were ordered to pay all unpaid compensation. Four audit subjects failed to meet or exceed the performance standard, and their audits expanded into a full compliance audit of indemnity claims. One of these four met or exceeded performance standards and therefore had penalty citations assessed for unpaid and late payment of indemnity only. 
The remaining three of the four audit subjects failed to meet or exceed the performance standard, and their audits expanded into a full compliance audit of indemnity claims, or an FCA Stage 2 audit. These audit subjects were assessed administrative penalties for all penalty citations. The ranking report provides the performance ratings for the 41 audit subjects listed in order from the best to the worst performer. Congratulations to Zenith Insurance Company, Pleasanton, for having the best score in the ranking report. The ranking of the remaining 40 organizations are listed by name on the ranking report available on the DWC website. And in medical news, Aetna, which is now a CVS health business, announced the launch of Attain, a unique health experience designed by Aetna in collaboration with Apple. Using an Apple Watch, the Attain app will provide Aetna members personalized goals, track their daily activity levels, recommend healthy actions, and ultimately reward them for taking these actions to improve their well-being. This launch builds on the 2016 collaboration between Aetna and Apple, in which 90% of participants reported a health benefit from their use of the Apple Watch. The Attain app claims to be the first of its kind, designed specifically to offer users a personalized experience. After users have joined Attain, they will have the additional option to share their Attain program data and health history with Apple. This would enable Apple and Aetna to collaborate and, over time, to improve the Attain experience. Through analytics and machine learning, the collaboration will lead to new features for Attain. The developers say user privacy and data security are at the heart of the app. As a completely voluntary program, members determine what information they want to share and can discontinue using the app at any time. Information from this program will not be used for underwriting, premium, or coverage decisions. Access to regulated data is necessary for some of the functions of the app, such as recommending age-appropriate exercise, or a lower cost option for scheduling lab tests or MRI imaging tests. The Attain Rewards platform builds off a program developed by Vitality Group, a model that has demonstrated that incentives linked to the Apple Watch are associated with increased sustained activity. A recent study from the RAND Corporation found an average 34% increase in activity levels for participants using the rewards platform incorporated in Attain with the Apple Watch. A new study published by the Workers' Compensation Research Institute identifies characteristics of injured workers and their employers that are associated with differences in opioid dispensing rates. The study analyzed a range of possible correlates, including worker age, and gender, type of injury, the industry group, an employer's payroll size, and the location characteristics. For the same injuries, workers employed in mining and construction who received pain medications were more likely to receive opioids 
as well as to receive opioids on a longer-term basis and at higher doses. Injured workers residing in counties with higher amounts of opioids dispensed per person and those residing in rural and very rural counties were more likely to receive opioid prescriptions. And older workers were more likely to receive opioid prescriptions compared with younger ones. And a higher proportion of workers who sustained fractures, carpal tunnel, and neurologic spine pain received at least one opioid prescription for pain relief. The data included 1.4 million pain medication prescriptions filled within 18 months post-injury in 27 states, including California. The study receiving funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. And in other industry news, a new report published by Fitch Ratings concludes that the workers' compensation segment of the property casualty insurance business is a prime target for technology investment to maintain competitiveness and bolster performance. As the largest U.S. commercial line segment, workers' compensation is a focal point for insurers' efforts to leverage new technologies. And the managing director at Fitch said that insurers that lag in innovation face the risk of adverse selection in their underwriting portfolio and expense disadvantages. Changes that made them more likely consolidation targets giving recent market merger and acquisition activity. Technology enhancements are a consistent theme in the insurance industry's history. Expanded ability to process, analyze, and store large and more diverse volumes of data is creating greater modeling sophistication in risk segmentation and pricing. Data analytics and claims can help speed resolution, uncover fraudulent activity, and predict high-severity incidents. Opportunities to improve modeling and risk management capabilities are emerging from the utilization of artificial intelligence and machine learning to more readily incorporate new information garnered from wearables, sensors, and other connected devices into decision-making. Most workers' compensation underwriters are operating from a position of strength as 200 2018 represents a rare fourth consecutive year of market underwriting profits, but the business has also experienced historical instances of very large losses fueled by inadequate pricing and claims volatility. Success of insurers' technology initiatives is measured in part on generating steadier results over the long term. In response, insurers are more actively investing in or creating strategic partnerships with insurtech firms to gain insight or are developing their own innovation labs to foster creative development. Insurers are seeing competition emerge from startup underwriters and managing general agencies with direct data-driven online platforms. This includes Next Insurance in Small Commercial Lines, and Pi Insurance in Workers' Compensation. Uncertainty remains as to whether these newer entrants can build a profitable business with sufficient operating scale.
And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for Workers' Compensation News on the Amazon website. Again, I'm Renee Fols with Floyd Scarin, Manuki, and Langeman. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.